It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Chels. Here we are, it's another week, it's another two games, and good lord, we've seen goals, we've seen clean sheets, we've seen excitement, we've seen the return of players from injury, and here to discuss all of this, Mr. Andy Saunders. How are you? I'm all right, actually, Andy, how are you? Good, thank you, sitting in the biblical rainstorm here in St Albans. And how is your your shed holding up? Because I, I take it that's where you are. My purpose built office. Yeah, it's uh, it's good actually. Yeah, it's per- it's perfectly fine. I'm, it's nice and cozy. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at a uh, end of the world scenario outside my window. Well, at least we've got some happy football to talk about, which should uh, take our mind off the rain. And to join us, we got making his first appearance of the, se- the season is Mr. Robert Ray. Hello, Hello. Rob. Hello. How are you? Uh, well, I, we've had our biblical rainstorm. It's it's gone away, so I'm sort of soaking wet. But we're now looking at rainbows and and, and doves and and stuff like that. So it's all lovely. Sunlit uplands. Sunlit uplands of of Enfield, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, okay, yeah, that that seems like a bit of a mixed metaphor or something like that. Um, but uh, anyway, it's it's good to have you both here, and um, I suppose we should uh, we should uh, just say. How's it been for you so far, the start of the season, Rob? Um, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I did last season, that's for sure. It's um, uh, with low expectations, um, and the, 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 yeah, they've exceeded them already, and you're watching something be built in front of you. It's, it's rather lovely. It is, isn't it? It's actually like a building happening in front of you. And, and Andy, you've been through this with... A lot of building work at your place. This must feel like familiar territory for you, isn't it? Yeah, still going through a bit of building work. And, um, yeah, it's glacially slow. Uh, but that's um, to be expected, I think, when you're building something with strong foundations. Uh, not to be, not to over-egg the metaphor too much. But uh, I think that what's clear is that this is not going to be a season of spectacular success or at least i don't think it's going to be a season of spectacular success it's going to be a season of us managing our expectations 
but if we can get into the mindset of enjoying the football, enjoying watching the development and Frank Lampard growing as a manager and young players growing into their professional careers, there's, there's no reason why it shouldn't be happy days for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's interesting. We are still caught up in this euphoria uh, and I, I'm really excited. I love seeing all these young players and we'll start with uh, last week in the cup against Grimsby and um, were you surprised at the side he put out, Andy? Or, and were you surprised at some of the names that were involved in the squad? Did you know everybody in there? Kind of knew everybody. Uh, I didn't know an awful lot about them. I mean, I knew who they were. I hadn't seen a lot of them, the Martins of the world and you know, and the Andrews. I hadn't seen a lot of them, but I knew who they were. And I knew that they were exciting prospects. Um, I wasn't surprised that he went for an adventurous team. I mean, that's what that's what we do. That's what everybody does in the in the Carabao Cup. And that's the, what I like about the competition is you do get to see interesting players that that maybe you wouldn't normally uh have exposure to so so that was good it was nice to see um people like billy gilmore given some responsibility it was nice to see it was even nice to see michi bachway up front it's it's just nice to see a, a mixing up a little bit and and a team that played with energy and enjoyment that was the that was the really thrilling thing i think about that game and Rob, was, what, what was it like for you, Rob? Did you did you have these sort of overwhelming feelings of excitement and joy? Uh, more curiosity, I think, more than anything else. Um, it, uh, Billy Gilmore, I know very little about. I'd seen him obviously come on as a sub and a couple of times in the in the in the youth cup and so on, but I didn't know much about him at all. I didn't know whether in a, what he was going to be like for ninety minutes. Again, Rhys James, I don't know a great deal about. I've seen him play a couple of times, you know, in the highlights for Wigan. Um, and the one that really confused me, and I still, don't, I still don't even know how to pronounce his name, is the bloke we played at centre-half. Gooey. Is it Gooey? Gooey? <laughs> I've no Gwehi. idea. But he looked Gwehi. all right. He looked, he looked as if he was in the right place. And that's what I've liked about all of them at the moment. They've all not looked out of place. They've all looked as if they, they were first-teamers in a, in a Premier League side. And that's been amazing. I think I think that's a really good point. Actually, they they all have come in and slotted into their particular positions. None of them have looked even, and we'll talk about the substitutes in a bit. But even when the substitutes came on, everyone went and seemed to know exactly what role they were meant to do. Is that quite a, an amazing thing? Do you think, Andy? I don't think it's amazing. These are players that have been at the club for a very long time. Some of them have been there since they were eight years old. So they will have played together and they would have played within a Chelsea structure with a Chelsea co- uh, coaching team. They would have been drilled on their responsibilities uh, as players. It's very interesting. Just a slight side uh, tributary. I was hanging out with the guys from the London is Blue podcast, the American podcast uh, before the game on Saturday Uh, and they're really good guys and they'd come over and they'd spent some time down at Cobham uh, talking to the likes of Tammy and Mason Mount and they asked the same question to to both of those players uh, and some of the other younger players as well and the question was what is Chelsea's DNA and they said that every player they spoke to said winning um, and I thought that was just a really interesting answer from from all of them. That's clearly what what they've been drilled uh, over the time that they've been at Chelsea. So when you've got that mentality, when you've won youth European Cups, when you've won youth FA Cups, when you've you know been a serial winner as a youth player, you're going to be confident as a player. And especially when you have a manager like Frank Lampard, who has basically said to them, 
this is your opportunity. Just go and seize it with both hands, with both feet, um, and, and have fun and play and enjoy yourself. You're, the reason you're in this team is good enough. He's backed them 100%. The crowd are backing them 100%. There's no reason why they wouldn't come in and be confident and play like the professional footballers they are. No, I think that's, that's a very valid point. And, and Rob, um, I guess, in a way, is this what we're finally seeing, the, the fruition of the, the academy and the fact that when they always talk about change, change happens over a generation. Well, this academy has been going about 15 years or so. That's a generation. So is it now the perfect time for these players to be coming through? I think the, um, the interesting thing is I think we could have had a fruition from the gallery a couple of years ago even. And I think the difference is that now they're coming into the side and they don't think they're going to get dropped immediately if they, if they, if they muck it up. And that makes a huge, huge difference. So if, if Tamori, for example, makes one mistake and lets in a goal, he's not going to get dropped for the next game. And that's massive. And you could see it when, when, um, when Loftus-Cheek decided to go. Um, the, the problem with him was that he, always, he was always looking for the safe ball. He was always looking not to make a mistake in order to sort of cement his place in the side. And these players, they've obviously been told something different. They've been told, look, you're in. Uh, and you know you make you make some youthful naive mistake. It doesn't matter um, because you're going to get more chances. You're not going to get dropped straight away. And I can remember when um, uh, when Osgood first made his debut for us, and um, manager time must have been Doherty at the time told him um, twelve games. I don't I don't care what happens in those twelve games. You have got twelve games to prove yourself uh, and to and to show what you can do. And it means that the players relax. It means they play they play proper football. They're not always looking for the safe option and looking to sort of um, cut that, you know, minimise the risk. And I think that's that's the difference here. It's interesting, isn't it? So there, there's a kind of a pressure of of you playing for the team, but there's no pressure in a certain other way that you don't have to, you know, prove yourself immediately. It, this is quite an interesting philosophy, isn't it, Andy? It is, and I think it even extends to the manager as well. We all know that this is a almost like a pressure off-season in some ways because of the transfer ban and because of the board's decision to go with Frank, who in turn has decided to go with youth. So the pressure is off all the way around the club, and I think that can only be a positive thing for all the reasons that Rob said. When you're not under pressure, when you're told that your place is not under threat, where, where individual mistakes are not going to cost you your career you are free to go and express yourself and to demonstrate the talent that Chelsea saw in you when they first picked you up. So I think this whole, what looked like a disaster of a transfer ban has, has ended up being a huge blessing in disguise. Um, and I think at the end of the season, even at the end of next season, if we can see demonstrable progress, I think all of us, the board, the team, the manager, the fans, everybody involved in Chelsea Football Club won't be anything but happy. I, th- I think you're spot on there. And I, okay, well, let's get into the nitty gritty of it. Uh, the, one of the players that people have been going on about, and there's been a lot of hysteria about some of the players that we're going to see. Reese James, his name has been bandied around when Dave was not having a particularly great start to the season. People were saying, oh, well, when Reese James is here, he'll be taking over. A, I think it's really interesting that Dave's game has actually gone back up again. But B, we, when we finally saw Reese James again, okay, it's Grimsby, it's the cup. Were we all, were we not impressed by what that kid can do, Rob? I was impressed. Yes, he's he's very fast. He um, he attacks um, extraordinarily well. But 
when it comes down to it, I, you know, I know you're saying, oh, we, we, it's only Grimsby, but it was only Grimsby. He's not, I don't think, yet ready to be the starting, um, you know, right back in a, in a Premier League um, lineup. Mind you, I would have said the same thing about Tamori seven games ago. And now, I mean, you, you, you can't imagine him out of the side. So that's very weird. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, Andy, you know, we had discussions about Tamori in the beginning of the season. And now look at him. Frank comes out with statements like he's the number one or number two centre-half at this club right now. Could it be the same for Rhys James down the line? Definitely down the line. I, I, I think we have to trust Frank that he's managing these players in the right way and he knows when they're going to be ready. And I'm sure he's in contact with them and talking to them and navigating them through their entry into the first team. I mean, Rhys James has been at this club since he was six years old. He's, uh, you know, he's a player that's won, um, you know, the academy player of the season. Uh, he's got a long-term contract with the club, which he signed in, in 2018. He was in last year's championship team of the season. You know, he was the uh, Wigan player of the year last year. You know, everything is going in the right direction for Rhys James. But I think we put too much pressure on him. We'll make the same old mistake that we always do, which is to build a player up only for them to be knocked down. So... I think the way he's being introduced into the team as an understudy to a hugely experienced uh, player like Aspilicueta is uh, is a really sensible way of doing it. And we have to be patient. We want Rhys James to be there for the long term. We want him to be there for the next 10, 15 years. It's no reason to rush him and push him to a position where, uh, you know, where we're loading too much expectation on him. Uh, you could call that uh, no reason even. But uh, I think... Terrible. I think, Terrible. Thank, you. thank you very much. I pride myself on that. But there's, there's another side of that as well, is that Rhys James had a great game against Grimsby. Now, if that had happened last season, you wouldn't see that young player until the next round, perhaps, or whatever. What happens? Frank rewards him by putting him on the bench at the weekend. So he is... I think you're right, Rob, that there is a lack of pressure on these guys in a, in a certain way, saying, if you're good enough, you will be in and around this squad, don't you think, Rob? I think so. I thought it was interesting with um, in the Reading game, which I presume we're going on to, uh, not Reading game, so Brighton game that we're going on to talk about. Um, we will eventually. <laughs> with, uh, with, with Mason Mount, who um, I didn't think had, had, his, had his most brilliant game for the club, even though he sort of um, uh, created the first goal. But that doesn't matter. It would have mattered, I think, a couple of seasons ago. You know, a bad performance, and you, you know, you, you maybe drop out of the side. I don't. He wasn't bad against Brighton. He wasn't at his scintillating best, I didn't think. But that doesn't matter because he will go on to the next game. He will still be in the lineup, um, and, and I think that's that's a really, really positive thing. So, also, I mean, the, the Carabao Cup it, it lets people put down markers, and you have to say, uh, for me. There was something really nice about seeing Batshuayi run out from the start and and have a little bit of a look in, get a couple of goals. Uh, and I actually enjoyed his play. I think he looks a better player than the guy we loaned out. What did you think about him, Andy? I'm not convinced about Mishu Batshuayi. I think he has a very good knack of burgling goals in matches that don't really mean a huge amount against lower division opposition or at the end of games where games are already run. I know that's harsh. I know that he... Didn't he win you know, the title for us a couple he, of years Well, ago? you know, he, he came yeah. on at the very end of a game and, and, and managed to be in the right time. And, you know, and, and I applaud him for that. And I don't think he's a bad player. I think he, I think he lacks a little bit of 
elite mentality and understanding of tactical stuff. And I think that was always a criticism of him that he doesn't really adapt well to tactical changes. Um, you know, however, whenever he scores a goal, I'll applaud him along with everybody else. And if he can keep that going and he can prove himself to be a consistent goal scorer at the very top level, then fantastic. What's not to like about that? I've got to yeah, agree with Rob. Andy. I mean, I've always had my problems with Mitchie. I don't think he's, um, I don't think he's tactically astute. Um, however, he does look better. He looks sharper than um, he did for us in his last season with us. He looks sharper than he did on loan. Um, he looks sharper than he did at Palace as well. Um, if he's going to be happy to be used as um, a super sub or as somebody who plays in the games like the Grimsby games, then fine. You know, he's a, then he's a valuable member of the squad. I can see him coming on. You know, after Tammy's given his all for seventy minutes and run uh, run his socks off, that he can come in and maybe maybe get a couple of um, you know last minute goals, and that that will that will be fine. I still don't think he's our anywhere close to being our sort of first-choice striker. No, he's not. But I think, in a way, doesn't that help Tammy? Because if you've got a £60 million striker on the bench behind someone like Tammy, that kind of puts the pressure on him. In this way, it doesn't. He knows that the guy who's coming on is not as good as him, potentially, but he may score goals. We've also got Giroud in the mix, which he's having a bit of a, an odd season. I, I, I think, you know, he's had injuries and, and what have you, or was unwell. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that balances out, but it does look very much like Tammy is the number one and everyone else is a good backup, but that's all they are, don't you think? I think that's right, and I think um, I, I'd applaud that. I think... Uh, Tammy Abraham is a talented striker. He's not the f- the full mill ticket yet, but he will. He can be, um, and I think this season it's important that he gets as many games as possible in order to improve his skills, work out how, what works against Premier League defenders and what doesn't. I mean, he's only had one season of, Premier, of playing against Premier League defenders, and that was for Swansea. I mean, and he he lived on scraps all season. So this is going to be interesting, and I think he's he's off to a flyer. Let him uh, let him continue. Where did you get Mishi Bashwai as a £60 million striker from? He's a £45 million striker, I think, isn't he? Well, he, no, he was signed to us, but he signed to 32. us for £33.2 million, so. 33.2. Yeah. Blimey, you, you, the market's gone up for Mitchy. Sell him. <laughs> <laughs> if he's a £60 million striker, the world's gone mad, is what I'm saying. Absolutely. If he's a £60 million striker, what does that make Maratta? Well, I, I don't want to be, sound like I'm down on Mishi. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've jumped up and down for all his goals. I think he's, you know, when he scores goals, he's great. And I think that as an impact sub, he's got something to offer. He'll, he's certainly got a bit about him, and he's got some confidence and some cockiness. And he's a predator. You know, he will patrol the six-yard area, and if the ball's in his arc, then he'll he'll deal with it. But my my problem is what he does off the ball. It's always his work off the ball, his running, his his positional sense that's been a problem for me. But hopefully, like many other times in the last couple of seasons, I'll be proved wrong. Yeah, well, it's good. This is what I'm loving about this whole thing. Andy gets proved wrong week in, week out. It's wonderful. Good. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally up. For, I mean, I've said this before, I'm, and, and you know, I'd say this with my tongue in my cheek. I'm, I'm totally up for it. It's fine. Prove me wrong. Ultimately, I am a Chelsea fan. I want Chelsea to succeed. I want these Chelsea players to succeed. If Ross Barkley comes along and suddenly becomes, you know, the next Cristiano Ronaldo, then I'll happily eat my words, eat my hat, eat whatever I have to. You know, I just sometimes I, you know, I call it as I see it. Uh, the, you know, the development of players, particularly 
usually players that have had an opportunity, that are experienced, that have played a lot of Premier League or elite football in other leagues, and I look at them not developing, that, that frustrates me. It doesn't anger me, it just frustrates me. I think there's well, one person on this call who said um, some, somewhere, I'm not sure where, it might have been a tweet, that Tammy Abrahams is, whatever the question is, Tammy Abrahams is not the answer. I wonder yeah, who that might have been. The kind of thing I would say. <laughs> and, 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 and I've said this, and I mean, as I say, it's first time on the pod this season, but, you know, Kerry will tell you, I've said that, you know, that my opinion of, of Tammy is rapidly coming round. I, you know, I called it as I saw it at the time, which was I didn't think he was, an, it didn't look like an elite striker. I thought he was a little bit lightweight, but... You know, you can't argue with what he's done so far. I would say it's a 38-game league season, you know, and he started well. Let's see if he can do it over 38 games and can keep that consistency going and develop as a player. I really, really hope he does. He's absolutely impressed the hell out of me to stay, you know, at the start of this season. Okay, so there's there's something I was going to say, actually, you know, um, because this this could run and run, but I'm just going to lead into something else, and this is to you, Rob. Um, is that one of the people that Andy really has a problem with is Ross Barkley. And after the penalty debacle in the Champions League against Valencia, was it or was it not quite interesting that he stepped up and scored that goal so quick in the game against Grimsby and showed that it didn't seem to affect him? I didn't think it would affect him. He's, he's quite a confident player, I think. Um, it's noticeable that he hasn't taken any of the penalties since then. We've had, what, two since then? Um, I've got to say that I, I tend to share Andy's opinion of Ross. I think the problem with him is, not so much his penalty taking, I think the problem with him is that he he has talent, but he's never quite sure what to do at the end of it. So you see him take the ball in midfield and go on a lovely run and then sort of not not know who to pass to or pass to the wrong person or take it one player more than he ought to do. There's always that problem with him, I think. Um I think uh, that at the moment he's, you know, he's, he's he's playing a useful role in midfield, if if only because he's more experienced than some of the other players around him. Um, but whether I think he's got more than this season in him at Chelsea, I'm not entirely sure. He's nowhere near the starting lineup, is he? If if all our um, fit, uh, sorry, all of our other midfielders come back fit. I, no, I think you're so. right. I think yeah. I do think you're right. When you suddenly see. And we'll get on to Kovacic later. But when you see him come on and the player he's developing into under Frank, you start looking at things and go, OK, well, you're going to buy people some time and get them to get their strength up, what have you. But I'm not sure Ross is going to be a, a first name on the sheet. The, the other person I want to talk to uh, talk about um, uh, next from the Grimsby game, Frank picked him out and singled him out for praise was... Um, our boy Billy. Uh, what did you think of him, Andy? Yeah, I thought he looked really uh, assured. Was the was was the kind of overwhelming impression I got off of Billy Gilmore? I, I hadn't seen a lot of him before that. Like Rob, I'd seen him come on as a sub, you know, in a game that you know that was very unfortunate for him. It was a game where we yeah. probably should have bought a holding midfield player on, and we bought him on because we didn't have any other options. So it was deeply unfair on the boy to bring him on yeah. uh, in that game. Uh, but I felt that against Grimsby, he, he had a little bit more freedom. He had a little bit more responsibility. His ability to pick a pass was uh really really impressive and and you know and and really exciting um so to have someone in in that midfield that's as incisive with their passing as billy gilmore 
Um, I, I think it's really good. I mean, my, my issue, my, my concern about Billy Gilmore is his size. He's very, very slight. Um, and, I, you know, it's, I, I'm not going to get shot down on flames with this, but I just hope he doesn't become another Josh McEachran, you know. Oh, where... that, we talked about this at the game uh, the weekend, and I said exactly the same thing. I hope that they can build him up early enough to make him a strong enough player to cope with it because he's got all the touch. He's got everything about him. Uh, I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I think well, you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because you look, you, you say, well, we've had other small players. We've had Pat Nevin in the past. and But these were wingers. These were people that, you know, were able to nip away with their pace and their guile to, to get away from, from bigger, uglier players. Isn't um, he about 12, though? Yes. Um, And I think that, you know, you look at other things and people say, well, look at Luka Modric. But Luka Modric has that kind of low centre of gravity that that gives you a firm base. And I just think Billy Gilmore is he he looks like he's got a a sort of young teenager's body. And and that in the Premier League slightly concerns me. But again, you know, maybe he will find coping mechanisms and strategies to to use that to his advantage, to to become an elusive player in midfield, uh, find space and, and delivers uh, interesting, interesting balls. Uh, who knows? I, I just think it's just something that I looked at him and thought, physically, you look very slight. Is yeah, the, I mean, Rob, don't you think... Do you, do you, sorry, Rob, I was just going to say, for you, is, is this a problem? Um, or is he young enough that now they can see it, they can, they can work on him? I'm Plus, not sure. we can see how much he grows. I don't, I don't know enough because I haven't. I've only seen him in the one game. Uh, it was at a level where I wouldn't expect him to be in in problem with uh, in encounter problems. But you look at Mason Mount. He's not exactly you know um, huge macho man, is he? Um, and yet players bounce off him. Yeah, no, um, very very different so, physiques, Rob. You well, know, I don't think Mason, so. Yeah, really? they are. You look I mean, at them. They they, they they're really skinny. do. They're both no. I disagree. Mason Mount isn't skinny as such. He's 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 ripped, and I think he's not. You know, he's not Ross Barkley, and he's not Mishi Bashwai in terms of physicality. But he's uh, he's at a different physical level than Billy Gilmore. Okay, I never thought there was a problem with McEachran either. I didn't think he was. Um, I didn't think he let players um, dictate him. And the few times that he, you know, actually managed to play for Chelsea. Um, I see him sort of um, mixing it up in midfield, and he never he never let anybody sort of um, dominate him physically that I ever saw. No, we, but we didn't I really th- didn't really see a lot of, enough of Josh, really, did we? Um, you know, things born went, at the wrong time, wasn't he? Really, in a lot. Well, of ways. and things went wrong for him in his personal life, and and you know, and and I think his mum died, didn't he? And that had a big effect on him, and all sorts of uh, all sorts of things happened. So. Uh, God, can you hear that? That's the rain. That you... is the rain. That's, that's <laughs> sorry, not Andy. Sorry, listeners. That's, that's not, not my you tears. having a waz, is it? <laughs> um, yeah, I just think we didn't really see enough of Josh. But obviously, you know, he wasn't a particularly physical player either. And I wonder in in the modern Premier League midfield whether that's an issue. I, it's, look, I'm just putting it on the table. I don't. I'm, it's not a hill I want to die on. It's not something I feel particularly strongly about. It's just an idle thought. Can I just say there's quite a lot of those hills. Um, but uh, but uh, the the other thing, talking about filling out and uh, body shape, etc. We we saw the return of Callum Hudson Odoi, who, as we've talked about a lot, it's, it's a, it was a worrying injury. He had uh, you know Achilles going can used to be the end of players' careers, but he came back. He looked fit. He looked ready. He also looked a little bit chunkier. How pleased were we to see him back and see him looking good? Andy? I'm amazed. Oh, Sorry, I'm right. amazed he got he came back so quickly. 
Um, I think it's impressive that he's come back from injury, so, that sort of injury so fast. What I liked about him um, in the um, two times I've seen him since then, he's not afraid to run, um, which worried me. I worried that he would be sort of slightly ginger on his um, uh, trying to protect those tendons. And he would, and he would be slightly off the pace, but he's not. He's 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 pushing it. He's going as fast as he was before the injury, and that's a really good sign, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right there. I mean, how how did you view it, Andy? It was lovely to see him back out, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he's a, he's going to be a special player for us, and it's it's almost like having a new transfer window signing, isn't it? Him coming back onto the pitch, we know he's going to offer a lot. We've he's a player we have seen a little bit of, and we know what he's capable of, albeit. A lot of the good stuff that we saw was against lesser teams in in the Europa League. Uh, we know that he's a very clever, skillful, you know, battle hardened player. So I, I, I expect big things off of uh, off of Callum. It was good to see him come on. Uh, you know, he he didn't look particularly sharp in front of goal. I mean, there was a certain amount of rustiness about him. He put the ball at the keeper about three or four times, but in the end, his persistence paid off, and he got his reward. And I I just think that he's a he's a cut above a lot of the other options that we've got and if we manage him carefully and uh and, and navigate him properly uh he's going to be a, a really really important player for us for years to come yeah and on that note we should just go to a quick commercial break And we're back. So, OK, we should really move on to the Brighton game. Um, again, this was a, a bit of a change in team. Um, and we thought this could be the chance for the first league victory at home. Um, how happy were we with the, the team and with the performance, Andy? Because this was everything we really needed, didn't we? Yeah, I thought the the team was was uh, was interesting. Again, you know, we saw Barkley get a start, which I was surprised about. I probably would have started with Kovacic. He did come on for him in the 68th minute. Apart from that, I thought everything else was pretty much how I expected it to be. I think Pedro and William, either side of Abraham, is going to be a fairly common recurring theme this season. That that experience, either side of of Abraham. Um, and I thought I thought it was a you know a, re- a reasonably impressive performance. The actual game itself wasn't much to write home about. It was another frustrating performance where we dominated in most areas but couldn't really penetrate until later on in the second half. What was really good about it was our first clean sheet in eleven games uh, since we had that goalless draw with Leicester uh, on the final day of last season. So I think that's a monkey off our back. And generally, I think you know it's 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 moving in the right direction. That was my overall takeaway from it. And Rob, how how about for you? I'm going to pick out a couple of players in a, in, a, in a minute, but we create so many chances and we didn't seem to bury them. The keeper made some saves, half hits from Pedro. You, you, it was it was a a frustrating game for a while, wasn't it? I thought we struggled a little. I thought we um, we were slightly off our off the pace, off our game. Anyway, um, I've seen us play a lot better this season than lose. Um, I thought the problem, I think, is, is, is we, we looked at fine getting the ball, the ball towards the penalty area and then we just seemed to lose our, lose our focus a little um, getting through that. I think it was always going to be uh, an issue against a team that's going to come and defend against us anyway. Um, so the, the, the encouraging thing is that we kept on battering on, even though we weren't maybe at sort of uh, full power. 
we kept on battering away and eventually you know we get our, get our award because of a half chance in the penalty area and then we kept on going um so in that sense it was promising and then even when we're not playing our full potential we're still able to get a result yeah, 24, I, I, 24 shots, 10 on target. I mean, that's a fairly significant <laughs> attack-minded uh, well, I think we were attack-minded, but the shots were pretty poor, most of them. Most well, they were, but the point is that we were we were getting in and around them and, 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 and creating opportunities to have those shots on target. I mean, as you say, the shots on target weren't particularly threatening, but the fact that we dominated in the final quarter uh, of the pitch is, I think, signs that we're going in the right direction. We just need to tuck a few of them away. I'd also say, for me, um, I, I quite. I, for me, there's there's one player who is having, I think, a fantastic season, uh, and I think he's my player of the week if we ever had such a thing, Jorginho. Uh, for me, he is just showing exactly just how good a player he is. He's thrown off the shackles of Sarri, and he's showing us. Just what a talented guy he is. What do you think about him, Rob? I've still got my problems with him. I've still got problems in that when he's forced into a defensive role, he still doesn't look as if he knows exactly who he should be marking and who he should be covering in the way that, say, Kante does. Um, his, I always knew he was a good midfield player. Um, I always knew that he could organise a team around a midfield around him and organise and push push the play forward. That's what we bought him for. I think he's shown more of that this season so far, and um, and fair play to him, he's doing very well with it. One thing I have liked about him this season, um, and I noticed it in the Brighton game a couple of times, is that he's been he's getting much better at sort of intercepting and breaking up play before it gets anywhere near our penalty area. And I think that's when we've looked at most dangerous as well. He or Kovacic breaks up the play, knocks it straight forward, and we we, we attack at pace. Um, and that's working really well. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I, I do think he's becoming a real first name on the sheet for us. What about you, Andy? You, you're liking him this season, aren't you? Yeah, I liked him last season as well. And I stood at a lot of games last season where people gave him absolute hell. Absolute hell. Booed him, you know, chanted obscenities at him, screamed at him used him as a lightning rod for all their frustrations with the team and Sarri. Uh, and I thought that was really depressing and unenjoyable to, to be around. I, I kind of knew he was a good player, but I also knew that he was doing his job and that he was playing within a system that had been dictated by the manager. And to use him as a, as a you know, as, as somebody to, to focus all your negative emotions on, I just thought was really short-sighted and unfair. So this season, when you hear people chanting his name and understanding, because he's had, as you said, Kerry, the shackles taken off of him, where Frank Lampard has released the handbrake a little bit and said, go out and express yourself a bit more, use your range of, range of passing, use your intelligence. I think it's amazing that the fans have now got behind him and, and, and are realising what, what a classy, talented player he is. He looks a better player when Kante's in the team, no doubt about it, because Kante does all his running for him. But Jorginho has a lot of qualities that we need in that team. He talks a lot. He 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 gestures a lot. He's he's always vocal in that team. We don't really have enough of it in the team. And I like Jorginho for that. He has leadership qualities. Um, he's also creating opportunities. He put a ball over the top that Pedro should have finished. People criticise his lack of assists and goals, but you know he's scoring goals now. You know he's he's uh, he's certainly uh, you know chipping in on that performance. He scored as many goals in nine appearances for Chelsea this season as he did in 54 games last season. I mean, three of those four of those goals have been penalties, but. 
you know, he is starting to, to make an impact in that in that part of the pitch. So, no, Jorginho, I'm a fan. Always have been. Not a fan of his stupidly hot penalties, mind. Oh, I was just going to say, for me, his penalties are the best in the world. I love his oh, penalties. Oh, they frighten the life out of me. Yeah, but look. The well, you know he's not going to miss, though, Rob. Yeah. The keepers never get near him either. He's he's got to be our number one penalty taker. If you watch every penalty that he's taken for us, the ke- the keeper hasn't moved. He hasn't moved. They do, they don't know what to do. You know, he's either going to just pen- pen- anchor it down the middle, or he's just going to chip it. The, the little skip that he does before he takes the penalty. I know it's frightening, but it works. I can't yeah. ever see him missing. I mean, he's got some ridiculous percentage of uh, uh, of penalty success in all his career. Has he missed one for us? I think he I think he's missed one. Is that right? Don't know. Don't know. If if he has, I've scrubbed it from my mind. Um, but, you know, I mean... I'd have, the, him, I'd have him taking the penalties all day long. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And, and now, even more so, now I know that Rob gets so scared. I'm going to think of you every time he steps up to take a penalty. <laughs> I used to get... I'll be honest. I used, to, I used to get terrified when Frank Lampard took penalties. Mainly because he almost always put it in the same spot. Uh, occasionally. He always scored. And he, and he almost scored, but I used to have this <laughs> have this little sort of mantra in my head, which was, don't mess it up, Frank. I used to say it almost religiously before he did it. You know, it was uh, to myself. I didn't used to scream it out, but I used to have this little sort of muttering, almost like a rosary that I said to myself, which was, I didn't say mess. I actually said something more stronger than that. But don't mess it up, Frank, you know, because I just thought he's just going to, somebody's going to figure out that he always puts it, you know, to the left, to the right hand side of the keeper. Most times, anyway, I know he puts you down the middle, but you know it's uh, you know you, you you have your players that you, you that you just don't quite feel comfortable with. Jorginho is not one of those for me. I just think he's going to score every time. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, another player out of the older group, we we should have a quick look at, and 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 talk about whether he is turning into a proper number ten for us in the fact that William. Now, isn't just staying wide. He's sometimes coming inside. He's picking the ball up here, there, and everywhere. And he seems to be working it a bit more. Are we liking the way that Williams seems to be finding his shape in this in this team, Rob? I think so. I think he's having a stormer of a season. Um, he It seems to suit him. It seems, the way we play seems to suit him. I notice he's still getting the same amount of abuse from the, the, the Twitterati. Um, and, the, and the Chelsea social media fans, which I can't understand. I think he's looked dangerous in every game he's played so far, and a couple of times when he's been man of the match. Um, he looks he looks fast, he looks direct, um, and he's. I think he's fitted in very, very well with this new team. Yeah, I, I, I think so. How about you, Andy? You, you've had moments of loving him, and you've been variable on William at times. Yeah, again, I'm a fan of William. I like his work rate. I like the fact that he dictates tempo in a game. I can't understand the hate that he gets from certain sections of our fan base. I mean, not real fans. I think real fans understand what he does and what he brings to the team and what he's done over all the time that he's been with us. And I think that whenever he's on a football pitch, he's going to give you 110%. I have a problem with his final product. I think most people do. I have a problem with the fact that I think he should contributing a few more goals um but he's a very he's a for me he's a difficult player to criticize you know he scored his first goal in was it 17 premier league appearances for chelsea yeah um, and he's had 32 shots since then he should be converting a, a few more of those that's my that's my only real criticism of him but you know you give me a player that works their heart out every time they come on the pitch that harry's 
defences, that is calm on the ball, that can deliver the ball on occasion, that will track, that will do all that stuff week in, week in, game out, game, uh, game in, game out. And, and I'm happy with them, frankly. I, I would also say, for me, the one person who will benefit from having no Eden Hazard in the team is William. I think it allows him to be the player more consistently than, than we've had before with him. But that that's just me. Anyway, moving on, we should we we should get to that point. We we've got to think about wrapping up, and we've got a couple of games coming up in the next few days. We've got Lille away in the Champions League. Now, that's that's an odd game, isn't it? Um, I don't quite know what to make of it. Is this going to be tough? Are we already up against it because of what happened against Valencia? How do you see this one panning out, Rob? I don't know enough about Lille, but I know that this. I'm regarding this as the, the one of the two crucial games in the group, if only because I, I don't think we're going anywhere in the Champions League this season anyway. So we might as well finish third, get into the Europa League and, um, and defend our title as far as I'm concerned. So as long as we beat Lille twice, I think we're sorted. OK, Andy, what, what's your view? I actually think we're going to do all right in the Champions League. I think we'll find our feet and I think we'll get through this group. What do you think about the Lille game? Well, I'm actually going. Uh, Are you? Yeah, I'm going to go because it's a really easy game to get to. It's like the first stop on the Eurostar. So King's Cross is easy for me. First stop on the Eurostar, Airbnb, watch the game, come home next morning. It's just I think it'll just be a nice, nice little away day. Um, and I am going to the game with the intention of enjoying a bit of a trip rather than with any huge expectations. I think we should probably beat Lille. Um, I don't see any reason why why we shouldn't. Um, uh, but I think that if you really think that the um, that the uh, Champions League is going to be anything more than a reasonably amusing diversion this season, you're a little bit deluded. We're not going to win it. You know, if we can get through the group stage into the knockout stages, I think that would be a major victory for us. So go along, enjoy the games, enjoy the atmosphere. And uh, and see what happens. I think again, as 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 has been the theme of this show, really, uh, pressure's off. Yeah, I'd agree. So, okay, let's have a quick prediction up from both of you, uh, Rob. If you'd like to go first on that one, I will. And this is with absolutely no knowledge of Lille or any of their players. I'm going to go for a two 0 win. Ooh, okay, Andy. Yeah, just before we do that, uh, Jorginho did miss a penalty. It was against Man City in the Carabao Cup final. In the penalty shootout. Oh, well, that doesn't count. Shootouts don't count in that. But apart from that, I think he's got a uh, 13 or 14 to 1 in his favour uh, penalty. Somebody can look that up. It's, it's something like that anyway. Uh, Lille, I think we will win. I think it will be a reasonably tight game. I'm going to go 1-0 win, not a thriller. OK, I'm going to go for... Oh, let's see. Can I just say, I was so close with my Grimsby prediction last week of 6-1. And uh, <laughs> you were very happy, Andy, weren't you, when they got the seventh? You would have been absolutely unbearable, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, anyway, OK, I'm going to go for a 3-1 win Chelsea. Um, so, OK. And then, and finally, Southampton away on Sunday. Andy... You're going again, aren't you? You always go to Southampton. I go to Southampton because I've got a friend who is a Southampton fan who uh, sits in the posh seats and he can't go because he's off somewhere else. So he's given me uh, his ticket to sit in the comfy seats. And uh, they have a, a guest 
comes in and does the kind of, uh, you know, the pre-match chat. And the guest is Ken Monkow, which will, oh. be, which will be great. Super Ken. Chelsea legend Ken Monkow. Um, and so, I, yeah, I always go. And I like Southampton. It's a nice, it's a nice compact little ground. And the atmosphere is good. And we always seem to do well there. We did well there last season and the season before. So I don't envisage any real problems. I wouldn't want to take them too lightly. They don't have a huge amount of firepower up front. Danny Ng shouldn't be somebody we should be terrified of. So I think that we can secure a fairly comfortable 2-0 victory. OK, Rob, over to uh- you. Right, okay. I've got a Southampton fan friend of mine who has been doom and gloom all season, so I'm expecting us to do reasonably well. On the other hand, I expected us to do reasonably well last season. I think, if I remember right, we did get the win, but it was it was really hard. Ross uh, Barkley, I, don't, I think. I seem to remember Ross Barkley won it for us. Yeah, but I don't think they're as good this season. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Okay, I'm going to go for a really odd score of 1-0. That's what I'm going to go for. We beat them three 0 last season, and Ross Barkley did get the uh, the, uh, the goal. So, uh, well, excellent. Morata got not, right? got one in the ninety fourth minute. Did we did we struggle against them at home then? Because I'm sure we struggled against them one one time last season. Uh, might have been at home. I think we might have drawn at them at home. Yeah. Well, anyway, who cares? It's this season. It's a different side. It's all so exciting, and uh, yeah, all, that all I have left to say is. Thank you, Andy, as always. Rob, lovely to have you on and lovely to hear your views, thoughts and uh, ideas on Chelsea. And hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Um, Have a great week, everyone. And we will see you all next week. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.